Schaefer Podcast Spectacular Um, what he says is you build a cement wall that is four feet high, that is angled at a 45 degree angle at the bottom. And he's got like a diagram of it in the book. And he says, what you do is you build this wall and you just throw a baseball at it. And that's how you get good at baseball because it trains every bit of what you need for baseball skill right it doesn't seem like your problem has anything to do with baseball skill night falls on the hill country surrounding Austin, Texas. The limestone in the road cuts turns from a golden yellow to a pale sunset pink to the bone white of the moon. We approach the winter solstice on a rainy evening. We are huddled, huddled in our ivy-covered castle awaiting Episode 185 of One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. And we are fired up about it. We have been watching some ill-advised musical adaptations of some great rock and roll. We have been chatting about you, the listeners, and about things going on in our lives. And we decided it is time to hit the record button and get some of this down for posterity. Find some community, comedy, and comfort in the modern world. Mostly just chat with my buddy, the pride of Tarzana, California, Matthew Mappy. Shafee laughing, Matthew passing, dressed in podcasting style. And on every street corner, you'll hear podcast bells, podcast bells, soon it will be podcast day. I love podcast day where we all gather around the laptop and... (laughs) Eat candy out of our socks and crack, Pod- a, crack another Topo Chico. So podcast we don't go. day is my favorite day. Ah, podcast day. The kids dream about it all year long. There's only been 185 podcast days since 2020, August of 2020. That's a lot of days. You would think. I'm shaking my head at that number. Don't, don't do it, Shafee. Don't shake your head. 
Is that shaking? My words there were Shafee laughing, Matthew passing. Does, does that mean I'm passing as a podcaster? <laughs> what, how, what am I passing as, Shafe? Or are you guessing? Uh, well, there's that too. Um, I think it's just poorly written lyrics. So we're at 185. 200 is going to hit right around, right around the fifth birthday of the front page. Maybe we have a front page birthday party on air. Wait, the fifth birthday is in 2014? I mean, 2024? 2024, yeah. <laughs> okay. 2019 to 2024. Wow. March 12th. Man, time, she do, she do fly. She does. <laughs> that she Golly, do. <laughs> golly. Okay. Shafee. I think that you're maybe just outside of my Dunbar number. <laughs> Dunbar. I'm excited. I love a good number. Um, do, do you know what that means? No. You don't I, know what the Dunbar number is? Super excited about this. No, I don't. Well, I, I don't, I've heard Ken and, Ken and John talk about the, there's a Sabbath number. And of course, there's a bacon number. There's a. Excuse me. There's a number. Did you say there's a Satan number? <coughs> the Bacon number, Kevin Bacon number. The Kevin Bacon you have number. Kevin Bacon number. You have your Sabbath number. That's if you're a musician. It's how many. It's it's you link with people you've shared a stage with to get back to Sabbath because I guess because Ozzy has shared oh. a stage with a ton of people. Do you, know, um, do you know what my LBJ number is? No. It's just one. I worked oh. for Roy Butler, and he was friends with LBJ. The president, mm-hmm. not not the uh, LBJ. How quickly does LBJ get to Ozzy Osbourne? <laughs> How far are apart are Ozzy and LBJ? That's a good question. But there's also an, an Airdosh number. I think it's the Airdosh number. And that's scientific papers. If you collaborate on scientific papers to get back to this one kind of main hub. Um, so you can have an Airdosh bacon Sabbath number <laughs> if you've done all three. <laughs> well, I haven't done any of those. What's the Dunbar number? I don't know. So the Dunbar number is... The Dunbar number can be defined as the number of stable relationships people are cognitively able to maintain at once. (laughs) The proposed number is 150. Here's an Atlantic article that says you can only maintain so many close friendships. Did you know that resale giant Ike's band has a song called you're in my Dunbar number. You're in my Dunbar number. (laughs) Have you heard that song no. by Harold? It's it's actually not penned by Ike. It's penned by Harold. You're in my Dunbar number. You're in my Dunbar number. It's hard to say. Isn't that? Isn't there something about? Um, um, <laughs> what's the Kevin Costner movie? Uh, Dunbar. Dumb bear. <laughs> You don't know what I'm talking about? You're talking about. Okay, I'll look it up. I'll get back to you. (laughs) The Dunbar number is 150. That is a cognitive limit 
on human groups of individuals. So when you look at your Facebook friend group, I'm up in the 500s myself, but I think not all of those people are in my dead bar number. <laughs> but let me ask you this, Shafi. Are you in my Karas? K-A-R-A-S-S? Karas? Are these all just named after sociologists? Or? Is there a sociologist named Karas? I don't know. No. Karas is from Kurt Vonnegut, Cat's Cradle. In the book Cat's Cradle, there is the um, religion Bokanism. And a Bokanist term is Karas. That's a group of people linked in a cosmically significant manner, even when superficial linkages are not evident. So I, I'm, I was kidding before. You are in my Dunbar number, obviously. And I think you're part of my caress. Yes. You know, we are cosmically linked. Now, digitally cosmically linked. Have you ever read Cat's Cradle? I thought I did. It's been a million years since I've yeah. read it. But that concept of... None of the... Nothing, nothing of caress is... You know, when you have associations with people and you think, oh, oh, this person knows this person, but I don't really know that person. They're a friend of a friend, but I, I don't really feel any kinship towards them. Like I have close friends who have close friends mm -hmm. and those people are not in my caress. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's interesting. It used to really upset me when a close friend didn't like another close friend. Or didn't get along with them? That is so interesting. That's like the opposite of my thing. You keep them all separate. Which is <laughs> which is keeping them separate. Which I guess sense. I I don't know. Does it make sense? I don't know. I don't know. No, yeah, it I don't doesn't know if either make of them necessarily makes sense. Um like obviously but, I get along really thing, well with the wear possum, but But my thing is like you and other people we know, we've talked about this before. This mm -hmm. is well documented. I've been hurt in the past when I have a friend who I consider a close friend and they have too many other close friends. <laughs> you know, I feel like it cheapens the love. But now that was an, that's an immature version is, of myself. Yeah. My mature self realizes that this is agape. This is God's love. It, it knows no bounds. We can, everybody can be friends. Everybody can be best friends. You can have a, you can have 50 best friends, but Dunbar is saying that you cannot. The cognitively, you can really only have about 150 close friends. I don't think there's anything wrong with us just having one big caress, you know, and I, I think, you know, if I become your close friend, you're part of my network and that strengthens us. And it allows us to operate better in this world. And if you then have a bunch of other people who you're close with, that that strengthens that network even more, provided that we all, you know, actually care about each other. Uh, so I just, yeah, I I would get excited if you had a bunch of other close friends. And, you know, it always made sense for us to all hang out, you know, make, make a big party. But Well, that's how I feel now. And I think I learned that by watching you. 
but the ego is such that you know it needs to be taken care of and um yeah i had a friend once tell me she was upset about something called friend poaching <laughs> and i was like oh I, i've been accused of that as well what like there's like i i when i want, when I want to your friends to be friends with your friends when like, i moved to san francisco you know, Ezra was like, oh, well, here's these people. And then, I don't know, he felt like I, I don't know, I just befriend everybody. Mm -hmm. And he, I got maybe there was some friend poaching going on there. Or when I met my wife, she had had bad experiences in the past. And she was like, hey, those are my friends. You know? Yeah. I can, under I can understand all that, but, you know. And unfortunately, that's the way it works sometimes that, you know, people, people, relationships change and people split apart and then you might lose somebody in that, in that split up. But uh, that's not the way, that's just not a fun way to go about living in the world. You know, it's much more fun to get everybody together and have a big rager. Yeah, but not everybody's wired like that, you know. Yeah. And feelings get hurt, and and I do a lot less raging these days. Yeah. There's definitely some people who like I've dropped out of their kind of Dunbar galaxy. Oh, you're out of some some people's Dunbar know, number. Like I don't get the you've been bumped off of rats that I used to get, and that's and you know that like that has to do with like me dealing with like depression and you know uh, weight problems and stuff. You know, not getting out and socializing as much, which fortunately, that's all stuff that I can turn around, you know. Um, and so I don't, I don't really hold it against them, you know. The bottom line is that um, relationships between people, interpersonal dynamics are so mysterious that we come up with like myth systems to like figure them all out. Like the Dunbar number or the grass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know I had just lazily opened up Wikipedia over here on cat's cradle and bokanism. And there's some other bokanist terms that might be appropriate here too. Yeah. There's the dupras. That's a caress of only two people who always die within a week of each other. The typical example is a loving couple who work together for a great purpose. A Dupras. And then there's the Grand Falloon, a false caress, i.e. a group of people who imagine they have a connection that does not really exist. An example is Hoosiers. Hoosiers are people from Indiana, and Hoosiers have no true destiny in common. <laughs> they really share little more than a name. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those Grand Falloons, those can be dangerous when one Grand Falloon starts fighting another Grand Falloon. For sure. For no reason other than they live across a river from each other or yeah. something, you know? And then, of course, there's the Wampeter. The Wampeter is a central theme or purpose of a caress. Each caress has two Wampeters at any given time, one waxing and one waning. Anytime I wade back into Vonnegut, I remember why I love Vonnegut. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, tell me what a womp beard is going It's the goal? Is the central theme or purpose of a caress. Okay. 
So are Wom Peters our community comedy and comfort? I think so. We've got three. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, waxing, waning, and... Uh, That's true. And, if you get and, too much into the... And Bob's your uncle. I don't know. If you get too much into the comfort, you might get away from the comedy or the other way around. Well, this is interesting because in this cosmology... The Womp Eater, there's a waxing and a waning, but we're like on Tatooine where there's more than one or two orbits. There's yeah. there's many moons here. Many moons, definitely. Yeah. Okay, we should start the podcast. You, <laughs> you can you can you can wax my Womp Eater any day. <laughs> oh man, is that? Is, I'm glad we got the E. I'm glad we have the E. That the robot's really loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, this podcast feels a little, um, a little like the holidays, you know. Yeah, like it's it's the season. Like it's it's up your butt, (laughs) like a coconut. (laughs) Well, it's like a shoehorn. This is Uh, a little like a shoehorn because we did just podcast on Sunday night, and then I'm here again. It's Thursday, but I'm not going to see you again this year. Oh, also, today is the solstice. Oh, is it today? The longest night of the year. So let's celebrate that a little bit. Did you know that I remember celebrating the solstice right here when Tara lived here? Oh. Probably like 10 years ago. Yeah. Or so. Yeah, I seem to always be at this ivy-colored casa during the solstice. 10 years ago. 2014. No, it would have been 2013. 2013. <laughs> that's okay. That's a very similar conversation we had about the front page. Just I was I was not yet transitioning to. I think I transitioned from Houston to Austin in 2014. In 14. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And that's 2014 was when you had the idea for the front page pub. Oh no. We had been, my brother and I had been talking. Oh, about that goes way back. For much, much longer. I see. Um, well, it had a working title. The Fortune Cookie. The Fortune Cookie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then if I ever do another one. Oh, you got another working title? The Apartment. The Apartment. Another. It's another Jack Lemmon movie. Oh. The apartment. And then if I do one after that. Okay. Okay. Irma LaDuce. Let's just try to get to the end of this podcast. Irma LaDuce is going to be like a Wait. kind of a French cafe, obviously. Irma LaDuce. Yeah. Is that a name? Yeah. It's another Jack Lemmon movie. Okay. Irma LaDuce. And that one uh, also has Shirley MacLaine in it. I imagine the the apartment. I imagine the apartment being in L.A., and like, oh, basically like taking over one of those big, you know, because in downtown LA, there's these big empty office buildings that they're using that are just, they're taken over and some people are putting condos in them. I think, I imagine the apartment being like in the penthouse of one of those buildings. It's a bar, but it's in a, in a, in kind of looks like a house to you. But a repurposed space. Yeah. And uh, and done really like eighty style with like black leather and chrome and stuff, 
maybe some like green neon. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ha. Huh. Interesting. Like who's that? Who's the artist who did the like the Duran Duran album covers and stuff? The the uh, they're super eighties. He's like the most eighties artist. In the oh, uh, Dave LaChapelle. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, and then it's not LaChapelle. Irma, Irma LaDuce. That's. Ir- Wait, let, let's stop on the apartment here for a second. Yeah. So you you envision reimagining a commercial space and turning uh, it into a bar that the building itself is now residential. Yeah. And at the top of a residential building, there's a bar called the apartment. The apartment. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> huh. You know, there's a few of those in Lubbock. There's the office. Yeah. And I believe there's the library. And he's not here. Did you ever go to he's not here? No. <laughs> no. It's over on the east side in Lubbock. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't know if it's still open. Now, what that. does that mean? He's not here. <laughs> if somebody calls? It's a, it's a joke, but it's one of those. Oh, a, I see. It's a I, deadbeat I alcoholic I husband see. joke. I see. Okay. <laughs> I love those. I mean, all those jokes are. Except the apartment. What, what, I mean, what's the... What's the value in saying you came from, you're just coming from the apartment? You know what I mean? Well, the value for me is that it's another Jack Lemmon movie. Oh, okay. There's no, there's no joke to tell with your family. Cause Not necessarily, but, but also, you know, an apartment just means a small space, right? There's, mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Although I suppose if what I just described maybe should just be called the penthouse. <laughs> but... But that has other connotations. Yeah. Right. We'll call it the apartment. And then in New York, a little corner cafe with the outdoor, with the wrought iron, wrought iron furniture, you know, with the little table and wrought iron chairs out on the sidewalk in front of the cafe serves baggage. You can get a baguette and cheese and some wine. That's, that's Irma LaDuce. Oh, but that's, and what city is that in? New York. In New York, okay. Yeah. Well, got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yes. I, I sure yeah. do. Okay. Okay. It's good to have plans, though. It's good to have good to have Jack Lemon movies. It's also good to have those plans set forth in podcasting. Oh yeah. Now, now everybody knows. Where's Here we the, are. Where's the robot when you need him? Let's take that down to tardigrades. Kind of slow that down. Um, all those, all those plans are aside, though, because I'm moving to Colorado. Shafee's moving to Colorado. You heard it here first, folks. Not really doing that. Don't worry. Are we workshopping it? I love, uh, I love you guys too much to leave you. Okay. Uh, well, why'd you write it on the show sheet? Because I feel like, however it takes, we need to give Colorado some love. Because their Supreme Court said that insurrectionists cannot be presidents. I see. Which that really should be a no-brainer, shouldn't it? I heard that they did that in California as well. Okay. Um, I wish that I could celebrate that, but it feels a little like 
it's too, just too little, too late. It, it, to, to, to me, it feels a little bit like throwing more kerosene on the fire. Oh, interesting. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. To take him off the ballot, to take he who shall not be named off the ballot. So you think we have to beat him legitimately? Otherwise, he will never go away. Um, not that I don't like think I, this is legitimate. I, mean, I, I do. I, I definitely think that that those efforts, while I I don't not support them, I can I can already see the other side taking them and twisting them and making it look bad. And and I, I don't know what's going to happen in twenty twenty four. Is the election next year? You know, at this point, I feel like. He's alienated so many people in the Republican Party. I think if if he is allowed to be on the ballot, he's just he's going to split Republican voters, and it's just going to be impossible for them to win. Um, well, remember how accurate we've been uh, predicting things in the past. I, you know, we were talking last time about how we, you know, did not. I I did not accurately predict. Um, the 2016 election. I, I no one did. Okay, 2020 was a little more. I didn't know what was going to happen in 2020. Really, I was nervous, but it pretty much went down exactly the way I saw. But then it all led. Arizona to, surprised me. But then it all led to this Not whole that that's whole Arizona. discussion about it, right? Yeah. It's like um, Arizona and Georgia coming through. I should give them love too. Love to you guys. Oh, I saw that uh, Rudy Giuliani declared bankruptcy today because of his... Such a weird story. Because of his Georgia elections meddling. Such a weird story. <sighs> Man. I, I mean, the Giuliani story arc is pretty yeah, weird. Yeah, it's right? like a Shakespearean tragedy. Wasn't, wasn't he a good guy at one time? I mean, yeah. Weren't we like, oh, he, he cleaned was up America's New York? mayor, yeah. Yeah. And now he's just a... But a lot of people tell you he ruined New York, too. But Is that right? Well, me not being a New Yorker, seeing it from the outside, the the promo, the the trailer was Giuliani saved New York. There's a I remember uh, La Tigre. Do you know that band La Tigre? They're a uh, yes. kind of fun electro punk band. Uh-huh. They had a they had a song that basically yeah, it, it literally said, "Oh fuck Giuliani, he's such a fucking jerk." Shut down all of the strip clubs. <laughs> oh, is that what he did? Yeah, he's the one who, like, time, he's the reason Times Square, they, they call Times Time Square, Square Disneyland now. I see. It used to be a... It used to be more for adults. used to be so. a den of iniquity. I see. Interesting. James well, and I did some theater. I, that's, Shafee's moving to Colorado item, I didn't know that was political at all. It was, just, <laughs> it was shocking. That was, I mean, earlier this week, I was just, just nice to see a little bit of sanity. Just a little, a modicum of sanity, please, Matthew. With Colorado, you're saying? Yeah. That was the same, yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, I'm uh, terrified for the future, but just glad we got the podcast up and running so that we can maybe try to make sense of it. We can, uh, we can, we can hold each other. We can gently hold your ears, listener. Through this, I'm going to take it to a little lighter of a topic here. Okay, if that's okay. Shafi, do you like game shows? Uh, I do. Yeah. I mean, 
Jeopardy is one of my all-time favorite Jeopardy shows. Jeopardy is one of your all-time favorite yeah. shows, yeah. What, what are what are some of your other favorite game shows? Just just out of curiosity. Uh, just because people want to know. A lot of affection for Wheel of Fortune. Really? Okay. That has to do with my grandparents. Okay. They would watch it every night. And right. I had a lot of had a lot of affection for for them and for watching Wheel of Fortune with them. Pat Sajak, Vanna White. Gracie would call Nana or grandmother, dad's dad's mom if there was something dramatic that she saw happen. Oh, is that right? Yeah. (laughs) She knew Nana had seen it. (laughs) What else? What about the Price is Right? Oh, I mean, that's like being sick from school, staying home. Yeah. There's a lot of fun, fun associations with that. Yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite game? Um, I think I referenced it recently. It's like the the Swiss mountain climber. That, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I liked that one. I was a big fan of Plinko. Plinko. Did you see me doing that? Yeah, you, you, were, you were throwing your Plinko chips down. Um, yeah, I, I loved uh, The Price is Right. I, 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 let me tell you what brought this to my attention is that the other night I was just flipping channels. Kids, there's this thing we used to do. It's called flipping channels, where you just change the channel, and just see what else is on you without were, any. You were channel surfing. I, I, I no, I wasn't channel surfing. <laughs> I, you I, I was no, <laughs> nope. I was just, I just a commercial came on the local news because you guys know I love the local news. Yeah, and then I, I changed over to this. There's this uh, all game show channel. And I caught a little for the first few minutes of the Big newlywed bucks, game. No whammies. Oh, <laughs> the newlywed game, and it was like this. There's, I think, there's like ten versions of the newlywed game, and this version was like from the late '90s, and it was really weird. And in fact, they didn't write down what the other one had said. They had these little video clips of that. The the, the host. There's three couples. And then the host asks these questions and see if the one partner knows what the other partner is going to say or do in this situation. And they they had it where the partner said it like on video and they would cut to the clip. It was really, really weird. And then I just thought, how many versions of the Newlywed Game really are there? How many are there? And then there's a ton of game shows that have like multiple iterations. And why do we love these things? Why do we love game shows? Is it because that was reality TV before there was reality TV? Is it because we like to think about, well, I mean, it's a great American pastime to just think about money that you don't have, Uh right? There's some of that. We... We have empathy for people that we see on the screen, and so we're sort of there with them, enjoying the excitement. They're, they're often done like I was. What's the? Is it press your luck? The big bucks, no whammies. Press your luck. That was no so whammies. exciting to me as a kid with the the graphic, the animated graphic yeah. going around in a circle. Yeah. That like that little kind of techno, those special effects in game shows, and like or really interestingly created sets. Like it has like a vaudevillian or a Broadway sort of appeal almost. Yeah, I mean, it's a stage show, you know. There are people up on a stage. Do you 
When you were a kid, did you watch Bozo the Clown? Yes, I did. This is another thing totally associated with being at grandma's in the summertime. Yeah. I would watch Bozo the Clown every morning because it was on cable. Yeah. So couldn't watch WGN. that. WGN. Out of Chicago. I mean, often we didn't even we didn't even have a TV when I, at home when I was growing up. And that's why you're smarter than me. But <laughs> yeah, WGN. Oh, I was so fired up. Get up, have a... Have a uh, toaster oven, ego waffle or two, and watch some Bozo the Clown. But was there anything more exciting on Bozo the Clown than the throw the golf ball in a bucket? Well, first thing is a ping pong ball. Ping pong ball. And did they call that the grand prize game? I don't know. I don't remember anything else about Bozo, really, except for that Yeah, game. I don't either. But yeah, the game at the end. And was if you very got exciting. the last one in there, you got a hundred dollars. Oh, was it a hundred dollars? I thought it was a bicycle. No, uh, maybe so. Well, at one point you got a brand new fifty dollar bill. Mm. But and there were a series brand of buckets, new $50 right? Fifty dollar bill. And I think I thought that I thought the last one was a hundred bucks. I don't know. To me, that. I mean, yeah, that would blow my mind to imagine everything you could do with hundred. Which in 1984, I mean, you could actually do like you could you could buy a motorcycle with a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that was that was you the could buy the best part bike of the, of the Bozo show was that the thing at the end. But yeah, there was a. I think they call it the grand prize game. There was a bicycle dude. Maybe you're right. Maybe there was. But and of course, Matthew, didn't you think that? You thought you would be so good at that game. You know, you're watching the kid and you're like... Yeah, it was called the grand prize game. I did not know how... Does it say what the prizes were? How many buckets are on the grand prize game in the Bozo <laughs> Show? Six plastic buckets. Um, yeah, there's some footage of this on YouTube. Thank Man. you, Christopher Schroeder, for uploading this. $50 bill. Um, yeah, I don't know. Game shows are exciting, aren't they? I mean, am I right? Did I don't. You, you I don't thought I, that you thought that you would nail the bucket challenge if you were on there, right? Oh, I, I definitely thought I could handle that. Yeah, I, I did not I work it over. I was always, I, I couldn't believe the, these kids who couldn't, couldn't get that ball in there. Now they're probably much shallower than I realized, and that ping pong ball I, would I think bounce. The, I think the ping pong ball would easily bounce much out easy, more easily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know why. I, I just brought up game shows because I was just thinking about why do we like these things so much. Because you almost never saw them go all the way, right? I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm not done talking no, about No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm not done talking about the boats. The grand prize. Now, this obviously made a big, big impression on young Chiefy. I, I think maybe I can think of one time that I can remember where somebody went on the, all the way. It almost never happened, right? Um... It sounds like you watched a little more than I did. I think it probably happened, you know, every like maybe once a week or something. Really? Yeah. What? It, sorry, go back to. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Go back to why you're thinking about it. Vamp for a bit. I'm going to try to. You're. Um, I. I I really had no agenda bringing up game shows. Okay. <laughs> I, I love just, it. I just wanted to get your thoughts on them. And um, it's crazy how 
they're, they're still going strong. Like we have all of these like primetime game shows, infinite you know? variation. And, yeah. and they're, and then there, of course, like it's, it's melded with reality television. So there's, you know, there's things like America's Got Talent. Is that a game show or the masked singer? You know, there's all these like performance Those, yeah, style variation, shows. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying about this is all kind of vaudevillian. Are you watching the Bozo show over there? I've got the grand prize game up right here. Okay. The Bozo Pewter. The Bozo Pewter is, I guess, how they picked the kid. Oh, G596. Ha. Here, I'm I'm going to scrub ahead. Okay. Oh, look at, see, look at the, yeah, I'm starting to realize that, yeah, that is very difficult. Listener, this is more like a, this is like a medium-sized popcorn bucket here that they're getting this, this ping pong into. Oh, she won an Etch-a-Sketch. Oh, right, right. So, like, you, you get a different toy with each bucket you get, right? Oh, but it, then it's also a bunch of product placement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Why did... Did, did, oh, no. did, did, every, did everything in the 80s um, have like a, a horrible like uh, background buzz like that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's this is rough. It's pretty. Come on. All right, this kid got three. Gumball machine. Fun, folks. Shafee. You gotta get that phone closer to this. If we're, if we're, we're, we already got copyrighted material right here on the podcast. <laughs> she didn't. You didn't even make it to the end, man. I wanted to see somebody go to the end. I feel like you're gonna do a deep dive on that when I leave today. <laughs> and and, and I need, I'm gonna need you to report back to this. Sorry, Sorry about that, listener. That uh, that obviously uh, hit me a little harder than I realized it was going to. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that we. Um, I'm glad we unpacked that a little bit. <coughs> I think there's more to talk about with game shows. Get at me if you're as, as bozo for bozo as I am. Listener, what's your favorite game show? Let us know at what what's how do they get at us? <laughs> Schaeferhall at gmail.com. Schaeferhall at gmail.com. Uh, get at us. Uh or through the you can you could you could slide into our DMs by Instagram. Okay, follow us on Instagram and slide into our DMs. Slide but, into our DMs, as the kids say. But wash your hands. Matthew, have you uh, have you been using our new slang out in the world lately? Uh, put putting it. Have you been have you been putting? No, have I, ha- been putting I haven't. Slang? I mean, you were using it in a text thread the other night. But <laughs> I, is Jameson hip to it? Was he? No, I was it? like, I was like, all will be. Revealed when you listen to the next okay, episode, and then, it, and then it's taken me like ten days to <laughs> to edit the thing, so nobody knows what we're talking about. Everybody thinks, and I'm, I'm people think I'm talking about pudding with a D. <sighs> it's 
It's pudding. P-U-T-T-I-N-G. Slang pudding. Man, I thought we were supposed to be improving communication <laughs> on here. Uh, no, but I'll, I'll work on it. Uh, this, this is a, a little like in Mean Girls when that girl tries to make fetch a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, a few people have referenced that to me. <laughs> Matthew, did you want to tell the... Uh, listeners about what you saw before we started recording yeah let's get to the let's get to the point of this whole thing right now schaefer brought to my attention god i can't even like i I feel like a little upset just just i'll put a linking the link again i'll put a um, link on our discord folks there's this article it's called the here i'm just going to read the title of the article I watched Twyla Tharp's Bob Dylan musical, so you don't have to. <laughs> and Schaefer put a YouTube video in front of me, and I watched what was the song we were, like, like a Rolling Stone, like a Rolling Stone. And uh, can you believe somebody watched the entire thing? That was really upsetting. <laughs> so there's a, so they've made a whole, there, there's a whole Twyla Tharp production, yeah. on Bob Dylan songs, yeah. <laughs> Okay. And apparently not very many recordings of it exist. And this <laughs> this recording is from The View. And yeah. This is from 2006. By the way, we are really on the cutting edge of arts and entertainment, you know. <laughs> we we've got some hot takes about some stuff that came out in 2006. Re- recording on a failed Twilight musical from. So tell me more about this musical. 17 years ago. Talk me down about this because I'm no Bob Dylan fan necessarily, but I know that Bob Dylan can't be super stoked about that production. He doesn't even, doesn't even care. Does it not? He can't even crosses his mind. I think he's like, he doesn't, he's not worried about that. His brand cannot be harmed by, by that. Now I've heard a story about Bob Dylan that he is very, vain and he doesn't like the way he looks on camera and he doesn't like to be filmed really and some friends of mine who work this these festivals these big music festivals Mm -hmm. had this experience where they had him and from a couple different camera angles and he basically just got mad at the production because they didn't have his angles right. <laughs> and he like stopped performing and left the stage. Wow. Um, I don't know about so that. So I know him to be a, a pre... I've This is a personal friend who had this experience with Bob Dylan. Where Bob Dylan got very mad. Because they were filming him from the wrong angle. Or showing it on the screen or something. And, he, and he just... So I know he's like a little... You know, he's he's concerned about his image. Is this not something that would tarnish one's image? I don't. I, I don't, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it, maybe the idea enrages him. I I would be surprised if it even uh, shows up shows up on his radar. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Why do you think I got so mad about it? I don't know. I was wondering about that myself. <laughs> it really upset you. Maybe it was like misplaced anger. Maybe I'm mad about a lot, a lot of other things, and like you showed me that right at that moment, and I was just like, interesting. <laughs> the universe is so messed up. I think it's yeah. I think it's amusing. Uh, listener, this 
this production is very, like, the costumes are very, very one-dimensional. The, uh, the dancing is kind of a lot of kicks in the air. The guy's doing a very, very, very much a musical, a musical theater version of the song. But very upbeat, very musical theater. My favorite is when the chorus kicks in, like a Rolling Stone, these dancers dressed in black, rolling on big black cannonballs, come rolling through <laughs> onto the stage. Well, the ball kind of just rolls on stage, and then the dancer just sort of starts rolling with the ball. <laughs> very literal interpretation. <laughs> Maybe my beef is with Twyla Tharp. Maybe so. You know. What else do you know about Twyla Tharp? Not a lot. Just that you, she's a choreographer and a famous New York choreographer. That's all I know about Twyla Tharp. Yeah, that's that's about all I know, too. I know that she... Uh, and I'm no student of dance. I, I know we celebrate a lot of creative endeavors here, but I don't know... I don't enjoy the ballet. I don't... I, you know, interpretive dance and different types of <clears throat> performative dance... I I not saying I don't enjoy them. I just don't understand them. Maybe and just don't know a lot about them. So. Born in 1941, Twyla Tharp is an American dancer, choreography, and author. Lives and works in New York City. 1966, she formed the company Twyla Tharp Dance. Work tends to use classical music, jazz, and contemporary pop music. So. Nineteen seventy-three choreographed Deuce Coupe to the music of the Beach Boys for the Joffrey Ballet. <laughs> Deuce Coupe is considered the first crossover ballet, a mix of ballet and modern dance. Oh, okay. So she has a she has a track record of doing it with spoiling people's music by later she choreographed Push Comes to Shove, which featured featured Mikhail Brishnikov. It's thought to be one of the best examples of crossover ballet. Crossover ballet. So she's legit. I know, I know she's very legit. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Twyla, if you're listening. I, I apologize for my mal humors. Quaker grandparents. I haven't made it to the Quaker meeting house yet, but I still intend to go, folks. Shavy, when is somebody going to do the One Magical Hour musical? <laughs> huh? Wait. I mean, when is when is our turn going to come? Are you going to let work Are you going to let Twyla take a stab at it? I, I guess I am a lot like Bob Dylan. Uh, for the right price, yes. Yeah, yeah. The price is right. She can besmirch our uh, our uh, legacy all she wants. Twyla, have your people call my people. We'll make this happen. If anybody here knows Twyla. <laughs> Get get this podcast in her ears. <laughs> just plant the seed. We're just sowing seeds here. And Twyla, Bob, maybe all four of us could can collaborate on a, on a new thing. We'll pull the nose up on this yet. But can we pull the nose up on episode 185? No, episode 185 is like that. Um, remember that plane that crashed in the Andes and all those rugby guys ended up eating each other? <laughs> yeah. I think this is cool. 
they made that movie alive. <laughs> yeah, th- this this is our this is our Donner Lake right here. I know what can save almost anything. A poem? A poem. I was thinking that we haven't What a relief. We haven't heard an Ada Lamone poem in a minute. Dude, do you have ESPN? I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and the nice thing about that is you know it's going to be good. Do you uh, think Ada gets tired of rescuing the podcast? No. No, she is she is mighty. She's tireless. A mighty that effort. And tireless podcast rescuer. Right dead things or vamp for a little bit while I uh, um sharks in the rivers that version of the newlywed game had this opening graphic treatment like you know it's newlywed game came on the screen and it was in this like at the time, very cutting edge sort of 3D letters and shapes, you know, and it was like it was like early sort of gamified 3D modeling looking and, and the worst like color palette like that. Like every like late 90s was, was like this. Maybe this wasn't the late 90s. Maybe it was the mid 90s, but like the colors were garish and awful contrasting i can't even remember the the host of it was somebody that i vaguely recognized but like obviously his career had taken a terrible turn don't go looking for this version of the newlywed game that i'm talking about (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna make a note to find out a little bit more about how many versions of the newlywed game there has been I feel like why we, why why do people do that to themselves? I don't understand people who go on The like Bachelor and somebody's going to go on TV to find love or or why would you go on the I don't know. I feel like we just scratched the surface of game shows too. It's just yeah, we such a do. rich. There's so many of them. So many of them. We didn't get into Family Feud. <sighs> That's crazy. Family love that Feud. One. The Family Feud is insane. Richard Dawkins and all that. It's and interesting. The Steve Harvey version. That's another one that's had a bunch of different remakes. They yeah. do like celebrity ones now, you know? Uh, Anderson. Uh, Lori Anderson? Not Lori Anderson. <laughs> Anderson Pock? Anderson no. Silva? Who was the. Uh, Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson. I, I thought that was. Did he do the family feud also? I think he did, yeah. That's weird. <laughs> okay, come on, Ada. Help us out. <clears throat> Paseo del Bosque. I saw myself by the Rio Grande watching a crane swoop down over the collection pond. I was the fish in the drainage ditch, you, the crane's scissoring shadow. There are whole areas. Of that river where you can still hear drumming. There's a group of trees you can walk in and say, people live here. When I met, when we met, I was too young to walk. 
I wore a button that said, boys are a piece of cake. I had a dream I was surrounded by butterflies until they stung me over and over. I woke up and had the word mariposa in my mouth like bad water. I saw myself on the river's edge, sinking in the rapids, the brown water like liquid clay. I was under the cottonwoods forever. I was under the sage bush like a stuck bird. I heard you could take the sand from a red anthill, suck on the grains, and put them back wet. The ants would carry your worries away. Every day, I put more sand in my mouth, and every day, I woke up with a buzzard outside my window. I have done my duty here. I have sucked my own mouth dry. I am the only ant carrying my own sand, and it's too heavy even for the current of the Rio Grande. That's beautiful. I'm almost 100% sure we've read that poem on here before. Oh, really? (laughs) Nicholas? Let's get let's get into that OMH index and 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 let us know. That's a good one. That's a dark one. I love that poem. That's a great poem. Thanks, Ada. Thanks, Shafi. Happy New Year. Yes. Much love to you guys. Happy solstice. Everybody. Grab each other, hold each other, love each other this holiday, and we will see you on the flip. I topped a weeping willow out of cry. Showed those clouds how to cover up a clear blue sky. Can't you cry to that woman? I'm gonna flood you, big river. I'm gonna sit right here until I die. Met her accidentally in St. Paul, Minnesota. Tore me up every time I heard her draw Southern draw. I heard my dream went back downstream toward an endavin port. I followed you, big river, when you called. Took me to St. Louis, later on down the river. Trader said she'd been there, but she'd gone, or she'd gone. Found a trail in Memphis, she just walked up the bluff. There's a few eyebrows and headed on down the lawn. I bat down by Baton Rouge, River Queen, roll it on. Take that woman on down to New Orleans, New Orleans. Go on, I've had enough. Throw my blues into the gulf. She loves you, Big River, more than me. Not the weeping willow, how to cry, cry, cry. Cold damn clouds, how to cover up a clear blue sky. The tears have cried for that woman, gonna flood you, big river. I'm gonna sit right here until I die. Well, I'm gonna sit right here until I die.